I'm down. I've got the 411, and you are not going out and getting jiggy with some boy. Welcome back to Bizarre <laughs> Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip, and we are talking about episodes 14 through 16 of the Diamond is Unbreakable anime. Oh, man. We skipped one week because it was like Halloween last last week, so I am I have been chomping at the bit to talk about these three fucking episodes. <laughs> like two weeks ago, I watched these and I'm just been like sitting on it, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. sitting on it. It does feel like a, a clean break, like we are in a new chapter, mm-hmm. right? In in a sense. Yeah. Uh, and so let's start right off with episode fourteen. Let's go to the manga artist's house, part one. <laughs> It's a big house, I guess. You got got at least two parts of this house. Yeah, it's it's like a museum in itself. Uh, <laughs> so the episode starts off with uh, Koichi just walking home from school. Man, he is beat. Can't wait to get home. But who's this? It's Hazamata, and he's gotten even smaller. <laughs> but he's been out of the hospital for for a day or two, and they, you know they they catch up. Uh, turns out. <laughs> Uh, Ko- Koichi uh, has the uh, uh, wonderful line, you won't believe it, but he found an invisible baby yesterday. Yeah. And then Hazamata, like, like, sure, he has a stand. He has fought other stands at this point. But it still feels like hearing we found an invisible baby the other day would still make you take a pause. But he's just like, what? <laughs> Whoa. An invisible baby. <laughs> this is important because it explains why Joseph is still in town. He is not leaving until they they rehouse this baby. Yep. Uh, just just give him to the no kill baby shelter and hopefully find a forever home. <laughs> yep. I want that one. The invisible one. This baby loves Joseph. Yeah. Babies love Joseph universally. Yep. That kind of establishes all that stuff going on with Joseph, and while they uh, they just start walking home together, looking shorter than ever when they're oh, together. Somehow. They're so tiny. Yeah, you put them together, they get even smaller somehow. And Hazmata brings up like, "Hey, Koichi, do you like manga? Are you a fan of Pink Dark Boy?" Which we did see in that episode with Hazmata. Uh, mm-hmm, several weeks mm-hmm. ago and Koichi's like uh manga's okay i like it as much as anybody i i guess wait pink dark boy hell yes i fucking love pink dark boy <laughs> <laughs> i gotta make friends like this i just gotta start screaming about the expanse season six until my hair goes vertical oh my god yeah i love this scene <laughs> just because they they both squat and just start screaming like going super saiyan about how <laughs> stoked they are about the manga pink dark boy and mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. Hazmata brings up that, hey, the guy who, uh, the, the author of that manga, he lives here in Morio now. He moved here recently. Want to go bug him? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Pink Dark Boy is apparently some sort of psychological uh, horror title mm-hmm. uh, that, that in between all the gruesome and, and gory shocks uh, still has like a, a heart and depth of, of character to it. <laughs> yeah. What could this possibly be? <laughs> what manga could this possibly be based off of? See, see, uh, ha- Hazamata does indeed have the 411. He's down and he's going to go get jiggy with uh, uh, the, the author who recently moved to Morio, the weirdo capital of the world. Yep. The reason why Hazamata knows about this is because he was at like a manga store and overheard some like older, like some grown up adults, like just whispering about it. And he like immediately <laughs> just wrote down the address. <laughs> so so this is not unprecedented, right? Uh, in, in the history of, of comic artists, like there mm-hmm. are a lot of stories of teenagers like making pilgrimages out to Jack Kirby's house and, and his wife, Roz, making them sandwiches and... and <laughs> <laughs> while they would watch him work 
this is only a little related, but it just reminded me of a work story I have where uh, that that's a pretty wholesome of just like, you know, the, of the, the creators and like their relatives just being like welcome, welcoming mm-hmm. the people who show up. Uh, that's not the same with game development where uh, <laughs> one time many years ago, I think before I worked at Volition, uh, two teenagers really wanted to see what game Volition was making. And so like they just went up to the lobby and just waited for someone to like leave and have the door open and then they just walked right in and pretended to be QA <laughs> testers or something. And I mean, they got caught pretty quickly, but <laughs> I mean, I would imagine that like, you know, Roy Thomas or whoever w- was coming in this week, you know, knocked and announced themselves. <laughs> yeah. They didn't just hop the garden fence. Yeah. they. J- <laughs> yeah. We're just going to climb the tree and watch the master at work. <laughs> but yeah, the, the two of them have, reached the 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 author's house uh the colors get real weird here the sky is like a dark pea green or something and they they start you know kind of talking about this author rohan kashibe he published his first work at 16 and now he's like a super prolific author and he's only 20 Mm -hmm. uh and they're going back and forth on who should ring the doorbell and Hazamata's apparently Koichi Sr.? Apparently. So he's, <laughs> he orders Koichi to open the door. He's had a stand longer. He's that kind of senior. Yeah, sure. And so, yeah, they're very nervous about, about meeting this guy and Koichi very slowly reaches towards the uh, the doorbell and before he can even touch it, the door just flies open and Rohan is there and he just his hand just shoots out and grabs Koichi by the wrist and he's got like a very intense serial killer look on his face. Yeah, they say he looks just like his author photo in the back of, of the book. <laughs> and like his author photo must be frightening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So after that let that scare, Rohan kind of reverts to like normal human mode and not serial killer mode mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. just asking like you know hey what do you kids want and this is when we first get like a full look at him and he's wearing he dresses like a clown he yeah. is a big tall clown yeah he's uh got white pants purple sh- turtleneck shirt tur- purple button-up turtleneck with mm-hmm. a green sleeveless vest over it that only he's only buttoned like the first two buttons so he's got a bunch of like almost midriff going on he's got like swoop like swoop to the side green hair and like almost caesar's headband <laughs> but if it was just a solid color <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah he he's asking them you know what the fuck do you want these two kids are terrified of him immediately. Yes, he's a very scary man. <laughs> he's super. He scary. has very sharp earrings. He he has oh, uh, yes. uh, like pencil nibs for earrings. Yeah, they're like a fountain pen nibs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but after they they freak out and sort of you know uh, profusely apologize, like we're so sorry to bother you. We'll leave. He says a really uh, a weird thing of just like hmm maybe you two are on the same wavelength as me. Come on in. <laughs> So, so yeah, we, we start to exchange our introductions and, and get the lay of the land. Uh, uh, he moved in about three months ago in order to, to get away from the hustle and bustle of the city and, and to live anonymously and secluded. Do you get the hint? Maybe you shouldn't be coming around <laughs> here. But maybe also you shouldn't have your realtor just blab about the address in front of a manga shop of all places. Yep. <laughs> so there's a shot when... Rohan gets, starts acting nice and friendly and invites them in and they, they both go inside and there's like a real quick close-up shot of Ro, of uh, Koichi's 
feet passing over the threshold like that was a really mm-hmm. bad idea. <laughs> but yeah, Rohan's like, you know, hey, I'm going to make a tea. I'll get you like cookies or fucking whatever. Come come see how I work. And mm-hmm. so they, they go upstairs to his like workshop. He's got like a whole bunch of like framed illustrations of pink dark boy scenes and they are all wild looking. There's like a there is a clown balancing on a ball on a night sky on an infinite staircase that ascends up to the moon. Mm-hmm. And he, the clown's got a sword. Yeah. This is normal stuff. This is absolutely... <laughs> when I look at that image, I think, yes, dark psychological horror with a lot of gore, but also weighted in character <laughs> drama. <laughs> and then, like, the other illustration is just some, like, elf-looking guy in a purple jumpsuit kind of, like, screaming at the moon. Oh, well, that that was from his previous series before <laughs> Pink Dark Boy. We, we don't talk about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, with quote, countless people dying uh, around three months ago. The price on this place must have been unbeatable. Like, he, he'd oh, be a fool yeah. not to move in here. Like, yeah, his, like, you you get to see, you know, a decent amount of his house. It's huge. It's a big house. It's two floors. It might have a basement. It's a buyer's market in Moria, man. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when they, they marvel at those illustrations framed up on the wall and Hazamata starts to cry... Because the impact of seeing the, the, the real pieces in front of you and not, you know, mass-produced prints, uh, mm-hmm. it just hits different. <laughs> <laughs> and this whole time they're getting the tour, I'm thinking, there's no way he's working for, like, Weekly Shonen Jump. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. All these people with their schedules, like, well, let's see. If I only sleep three hours a day, I might be able to actually do my shopping on the weekends. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, it, th- this episode makes it clear uh a little bit later on but rohan has no assistance yes he does all he does the entire manga on his own <laughs> yeah Ro- rohan's just telling them you know it's so much easier to get a lot of work done in morio because it's so chill and quiet yeah, mm-hmm. and also it, you know you can work remote these days in the 90s i've got a fax machine <laughs> the magic of fax machines yes <laughs> yeah it only, he says something like it only takes like four whole hours to to send a complete manuscript over, which that's also the uh, Invisible Baby episode where there, there's that really quick shot of like someone you couldn't really see in the foreground, like giving some uh, somebody else a manuscript. Oh, that's him. Okay. That's okay. Him. I thought Hand Guy might be an aspiring novelist like ah, so many villains are. <laughs> right. Yeah. I believe that's supposed to be Rohan. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. The, the way they get into the office, though, I don't want it to get too far away from because mm-hmm. they they are like in the the sort of uh opening vestibule you know the, the hall of the home right. and the front door closes and then it opens again from the other uh side like the hinges oh, yeah. swapped or, or like a jacob's ladder toy and now it is the office door <laughs> yeah i forgot about that transition it's good it's incredible <laughs> The, so many of those transitions are done so well and seamlessly that half the time they don't even register for me until I go back and go like, wait, that was cool. Uh, so so now we are getting his schedule talking about, yeah, 19 pages in four days. Again, this is Jack Kirby numbers. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, Rohan's acting like, oh yeah, no big deal. He does 19 in f- pages in four days every week and like like four or five of those pages are always in full color. <laughs> And so he uses his free days to go traveling. Uh, mm-hmm. 
talking about how like he chose to be a, a, a manga a manga ka because he doesn't really like dealing with people mm-hmm. uh, assistance would be annoying so that's why he does it all, all on his own yeah yeah at least kirby was passing it on to the equally fast uh, of vince coletta yeah who was so fast because he just didn't do the background sometimes they're like <laughs> oh there's three people in this panel uh now there's only two there we go let's pass that along to stan yeah yep. uh, so while, while Rohan's like talking about his work schedule, he spots uh, a big ass spider crawling up on H- Hazamata's shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, yo, hold on, give me a sec. And he just plucks that spider off Hazamata's shoulder, walks over to his triangular bookcase and pulls out like a, a book on, you know, arachnids and, and flips until he can identify which one it is. Because reality is the key to entertainment. Yep. Says the man in the series about psychic warriors killing (laughs) vampires, but we'll set that aside. The point he's about to make in this big monologue is uh, uh, something like the the plausible impossible, uh, to to use the term coined by uh, the the, uh, Disney studio artists in the 50s when they like literally wrote the book on animation, right? Yeah. We we can believe impossible things if they are... Uh, uh, somehow grounded like as long as there is some measure of action and reaction then you know daffy duck can like uh, uh, make a sailboat fly with only his breath if we see him taking such huge inhales right yeah that sort of thing that's the point that rohan is trying to make which is why his impossible uh, uh, uh horror imagery has to be rooted in the exact minute details of spider anatomy yeah and when he's explaining this every like couple of beats like uh to emphasize certain words he's saying the shot that he is being animated in becomes more and more turns more and more into a manga panel panel Yes, he, he's even framed with like a, a graduated drafting board with yeah. like measurements in centimeters. Yeah, and it's like the, the frame appears around him and then speed lines behind him. Then he gets like the, the half tone on his shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's fun. A, ma- a good manga artist has to experience a lot of things in life, both for inspiration and to, to ground things appropriately for when you do the crazy shit. And so he, he's got a magnifying glass and he goes over, is talking about, you know, spider anatomy and talking about how this spider spins its webs. And it's like, uh, oh, spider silk only hardens when exposed to air. But which hole in the spider does it come out of? And then he takes an X-Acto knife and just guts the spider. <laughs> and then what do the death throes of a spider look like when its stomach has been cut? You have to know this shit if you want to illustrate reality. Let's hope his research into human anatomy is a little <laughs> less invasive. Yeah. And and Koichi and Hazma are like, holy fucking shit. And he's just like, shut up, you pussies. This is art. <laughs> and then he starts licking the spider a whole bunch. You got to know how it tastes. I mean, that's one way to convince the neighborhood kids to stop coming by. But I don't think I could commit to the bit. I don't know. And so as Rohan's licking this spider repeatedly, Koichi just thinks out loud, manga artists aren't normal. And then Hazumata pukes all over the floor. <laughs> and Rohan, Rohan sees Hazumata just hurling all over the floor. And he doesn't get mad, but rather he says, oh man, that pained expression is fucking incredible. Keep puking. I need to draw you puking. So Hazamata, you know, a, a big fan, dutifully, tries to keep puking, but but Rohan's like, nah, I can tell you're faking it. This isn't real anymore. Fuck this shit. <laughs> That's fake puke now. Fuck you. He, Rohan is such a fucking freak. I love it. 
So Koichi and Hazamata are at an impasse. They disagree on whether they should leave or not because Hazamata is so such a, a pink dark boy, a, a fanboy. Yeah, a, he he is the pink dark boy after all. <laughs> Careful, Koichi. Last time a friend disagreed with Hazamata about, like, a movie or some shit, he gouged his own eye out, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah and there's, there's like, a shot here where Hazamata's still, like, fanboying over Rohan, and he's doing this while he still has, like, puke trailing down his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Koichi's just like, no, yeah, Rohan's super cool. I just have a really bad feeling about being here. I don't like any of this. Please, let's just leave. But they're they're alone in, in Rohan's, you know, workshop. And Hazmata's saying, okay, but before we go, we got to take a peek at that thing over there. And he points at a, a thick manila envelope that's sitting on the desk. And it's, it's Rohan's new transcript. It's the next chapter of Pink Dark Boy that no one else has been able to set eyes on yet. Yeah, this guy might be shady as hell, but I got to peek at his secrets. Yeah. I just got it. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Meanwhile, Rohan is just standing outside the door, peering in through the crack. This, this is Willy Wonka with even less plausible deniability. <laughs> I see you. Yep. Yep. Gonna kill these fucking kids, aren't you? <laughs> Hazamata grabs the, the manuscript, all 19 pages, and slowly starts to pull it out of the, the envelope. Once it's fully out, this green, like, energy just starts shooting out just like a, a really strong wind out of the pages of the, the manga. And they're like, holy fucking shit, this is the most incredible chapter of a manga I have ever read. Uh, th this whole green energy thing also happened with Jack Kirby's pencils, little known fact. Uh... <laughs> they're, they're hooked. They can't stop reading this thing. And after going through a couple pages, Rohan comes in and he is overjoyed that these two kids are compatible with his work. Yeah, that that's not ominous at all. No, uh, uh, but, yeah. But he announces that they are now a uh, subject to to the power of his stand, Heaven's Door. Hell he does yeah. not know the word stand. He he will learn it over the course of this adventure. But he does have one, and he has named it. Yep my 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 ability, Heaven's Door. And so Koichi starts reaching out towards Hazamana and just saying, like, "Hey, I don't, I really don't feel right. I feel like sh really bad. What the fuck is happening?" And then the skin on one of his fingers peels off and unravels and the layers of his skin and also where there should be muscle and bone are pages of a book. He's got he's got book for hands. He's got yeah. hand books. He's, you've heard of a handbook? Well, this is a book hand. It's kind of like yeah. that, but very different. And then he's got a face book. His book is a face. His face is a book. Yep. Skin all over Koichi's body and even like his chest and stuff just peels open, flaps open, and underneath is just is just book and mm -hmm. his skin's just got layers, pages and pages. So Rohan, like Koichi, falls to the floor and Rohan just starts reading. Like the phrase, I can read you like a book, that is Rohan's stand. That's it. Literally. That's the whole thing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So this brings us to a, 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 another landmark title card, Rohan Kishibe's House. There it is. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's a lot of information about it in a language I can't read. I really wish I could read it. Yep. Uh, so yeah, Heaven's Door, of course, named for Knocking on Heaven's Door, uh, the Bob Dylan song that I thought for the longest time was a Guns N' Roses original, because that's oh, the shit. one I heard first. Oh, shit. Yeah, I also thought that. <laughs> so, so back in the action, like the complete life story, 
pretty common idea to, to work from, you know, so, so many like world religions imagine that there is a book of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first episode of Loki, uh, the streaming show. <laughs> uh. Uh, but, but now the book is in your body. You, you, every day you write the book to, to quote Elvis Costello, keeping it <laughs> musical, but, uh, and it's there under your skin. <laughs> yeah. Rohan is flipping through the pages of Koichi's body, just getting all these details of, of Koichi's entire life. And then once he hits April, 1999, he goes, Whoa, wait, what the fuck is this? And he's yeah, starting to exactly nothing unusual happened to him until a month ago. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's just reading all of the events that Koichi has experienced throughout Diamond Zone is Unbreakable. And <laughs> Rohan is just going like, holy fucking shit. Stands? Other people have these abilities? Also, wow, this is incredible material for my manga. Jotaro Kujo, that's a badass character. <laughs> Pink Dark Boy is about to have stand fights, and I do not know how the audience will respond. Yeah. I, mm, I don't know. Yeah, he. It, it is a really funny, like, fourth wall breaking thing where this imagined manga arth- author is just reading JoJo and going, it's so good! <laughs> so we, we do learn some things about Koichi. Uh, he, his birthday is March 28th, 1984. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that day, 11 tornadoes touched down in the Carolinas, killing 57 people and injuring hundreds more. Oh my god, Koichi. Uh, he was born in S-City. This is the city that uh, Rohan just moved from a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, it is just the nearest metropolis to Morio. Yeah. I don't know. We're, we're going to hear it mentioned again uh, uh, in part two, actually. Oh, yeah, that's right. Wasn't there also a detail that Koichi was, like, born prematurely or something like that? Yes, he spent yeah. seven days in an incubator in, in the NICU. Yeah. Uh, also, his self-book knows Love Deluxe's name, even though it never came up in dialogue. <laughs> Maybe Koichi's been talking to, uh, to Yukako off-screen. I don't know. He's had time. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's okay. had time. But yeah, there is something very self-congratulatory about having a character essentially read the book and then say, <laughs> these are all really exciting with engaging characters. <laughs> it's so funny. But like, the thing is, Rohan is such an off-putting creep. It doesn't come off like back padding. Yeah, yes, yeah. Like, there's a lot of other media and, and, and stories that could pull something like this. And I'd be like, fuck off with that. But here it's just <laughs> like, no, I'm all, I'm all for it. It would be one thing if it was all of, you know, the average 14-year-olds at the manga shop reading Koichi and being like, yes, this is the greatest character living the greatest adventure of all time. (laughs) Yeah. But it's this fucking weirdo. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking weirdo who seems to get, like, it doesn't matter what he's seeing happening or what he's experiencing, anything and everything gives him pleasure because it can be somehow be made into material, so... Yeah. He licked a spider and thought that was good shit. I don't know about all your manga, but my manga is very popular with lonely shut-ins who who torture <laughs> spiders and then lick them. <laughs> yeah. That's my demo. Oh man. One of my biggest fans that that found my house feels like he could be a school shooter, so <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Koichi isn't being hurt by this this turning it being turned into a book process, but he's only real, psychologically. Yeah, he's real fucking freaked out about this, and so he sends out uh, uh, echoes to uh, you know defend himself. He he throws his little like sound effect tail spike and completely whiffs it, and he tries like mm-hmm. two more times and just keeps whiffing it. 
uh, because these are not read-only memories, uh, uh, so to speak. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Kishibe is an editor as well. He can make notes in the margin and then change your very self. Yeah, so he there's a blank spot in Koichi's like, pages where he just wrote, I cannot harm Rohan Kishibe. And this is the point where you realize, holy fucking shit, Heaven's Door is one of the most powerful stands in the universe. <laughs> Is if you could just write in anybody like, you know, fucking anything and it becomes mm-hmm, true. Mm-hmm. Just like Thoth, we have a standability that raises enough questions to float an entire subgenre of speculative yes. fiction. Yes. Every story you've ever seen where the main character is a robot, you can do that. that that's what this is. Yep. Yep. What is free will? If the, is there an author of your life, like fucking uh, a stranger than fiction with uh, uh, Will Ferrell? That yeah. that's heaven's door. <laughs> yeah, Araki realizes this too because Rohan eventually gets a spinoff manga mm-hmm. and, and animated series. So uh, there you go. I like Heaven's Door a lot. It feels absurdly broken in a really interesting way because there's no punching or fighting involved at all. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I like this part where Rohan is going, you know, explaining what he just did to Koichi because Koichi has grabbed his like, you know, his face is peeled off. And so he's put it back on, you know, the correct way, but it's not lining up quite correctly. So there's like extra space around where his eyes are, where you can see the pages, too. And it looks really creepy. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's very. <laughs> It's disgusting. I mean, it's, it's not disgusting. That's the thing. But it's very off-putting. Yeah, it's 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 pretty freaky. It is it is nightmarish. Koichi's just stunned because he can't fucking hurt this dude or do anything. And so mm-hmm. Rohan just goes back to reading more pages and going like, ah, everybody thinks you're a wimp, but when push comes to shove, you're, you know, you're a fucking tough dude. You can conquer your fears. Hazamata also like falls over and he, you know, he's all of his pages flip open. Yeah. Yeah. It's time to read him. And he's a real piece of work. I take back what I said. I don't want him in the show no more. Get rid of this fucking fool. Hazamata sucks. Uh, Hazamata sucks. While he seems much nicer now that he's been beaten up and realizes he shouldn't use his stand for evil. All the inner thoughts of Hazamata are some real like, yeah, near school shooter shit. He likes to torture small animals like kittens and birds. Uh, a difference between the sub and dub here. Yeah. Yeah, a big one. In the dub, it's, oh, you want to have your way with Junko from, from class E of third year, but you're too big of a wimp to do it. The fucking subs is not have your way with. It's just fucking rape. And it's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Get- and then he says, and then he makes fun of him for having sweaty balls. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. You, you, your balls get sweaty and you itch them during class and get a thrill out of not getting caught while doing it. And it's just like, man, kick this kid out of the show. <laughs> Beat him up more. Rohan says, quote, putting someone like you in my manga would drive readers away. You think? Whoa. And so Hazabala just like falls over and goes like, boo-hoo, I suck. <laughs> but, but we see in this whole exchange, like the only limit to Heaven's Door's abilities is Rohan's personal artistic ethics yes yeah because like he he wants to do uh uh, the minimum amount of changes he can to koichi because like koichi is his muse now and to to overwrite him would be to sully his inspiration (laughs) yeah also at one point between uh reading the two boys he just like sketches an entire like quick portrait in three strokes yes 
Rohan is a super-powered manga artist. It has nothing to do with his Stan's abilities. He's just that good. <laughs> and that's how you finish 19 pages in four days, I guess. Yeah, because you could just do an entire sketch in three strokes. Like, So Koichi is begging uh, uh, to, to be let go. Like, yeah. hey, what, you, you don't need my memories. You have a fucking mortgage. Like, look at this <laughs> mansion you have at age 20. Just lay off me. <laughs> yeah. And Rohan gets offended. You, th- you think I draw for money? <laughs> yeah. You think I'm in this for the awards? <laughs> Yeah, he makes manga so that people will read it. That's it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He just wants people to enjoy his work in some fashion. He doesn't give a fuck about anything else. So what Kishibe Rohan is saying right here, basically, is everybody should go to Six Feet Under. They should listen to the Mouse Guard campaign. (laughs) Yeah, man. (laughs) I promise. I promise it's good. You'll like it. Yeah, please check it out. (laughs) <laughs> there's so much of it you got there's so much so shit. much of it you got so much stuff to listen to uh, uh the second year the second in-game year starts with a recap episode of the whole first year so like that's a perfect jumping on point yeah but rohan also talks about how you know the his new wellspring of creativity that that opened up to him after he got shot with an arrow three mm-hmm. months ago there you go must have been a real rough moving day <laughs> Yeah, the instant you're hauling stuff into this big-ass house, and you get shot with an arrow. Did I get shot with an arrow, or did I just throw my back out lifting this fax machine upstairs? (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine Rohan would have other people help him move, either. He's got a fucking Xerox machine on the second floor in a building with no elevator. Who did that? (laughs) Tip your movers, Rohan. Tip them. Please. So yeah, that, that's how he got his this the Heaven's Door ability. Keicho's whole thing about shooting hardened criminals and status was a bluff, right? Because we've like seen was... a lot of the people he shot, and they're just weird. Yeah, he was just firing at random. He saw somebody that looked a little weird, was like picking their nose, and went like, that guy's a sick fuck, and shot him with an arrow. <laughs> like... <laughs> So Keicho's just some some kind of like uh, moral crusader. <laughs> He's a weirdly puritanical Japanese teen. <laughs> yeah. Hazumata is the only one who's a real bad guy. And we didn't even know how bad he was until he started being a little nicer. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Rohan's explaining all this stuff. And he, he goes back over to Koichi and says like, you know, I have found the perfect story in your mm-hmm, book, mm-hmm. in you. He, he says, Koichi, I'm taking your reality for my own. And he grabs one of the like skin pages and tears it off of Koichi's face. And now it bleeds. And yeah, that actually ugh. hurts Koichi. Yeah. The, ugh. It's so gross, like seeing the, the paper rip and it bleeds. And there's this incredible cut from this scene to the next because Rohan is doing a huge maniacal laugh, giddy in, in you know his victory, and then just a hard cut to a pleasant walk home. Da 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 da. <laughs> yeah, both Queecher and Hazma are just like, "Wow, Mr. Rohan was such a nice guy. We're so happy we we <laughs> we, we came. He even gave us these sketches with autographs. Let's and mm-hmm. tea and cookies. Let's go visit him again tomorrow. Yay!" <laughs> So it's the next day, and Ko- Koichi's getting ready to, to face the day like a big, brave boy. Uh, and he's weighing himself on the bathroom scale. Why? I don't know. Maybe he's trying out for the wrestling team. Uh, and he's shocked that he lost 20 kilograms. Yeah. Where did you lose 20 kilograms? That is half of you. 
Did your arm fall off? Yeah, he weighs 19.5 kilograms now. And he's just like, what the fuck? This game must be broken. He like puts a five kilogram weight on it. And no, it's right. And so he, he's really freaked out that half of his weight is gone. And so he runs out of the bathroom. And the instant he does that, he immediately forgets what it was he was freaking out about. Incredible weight loss techniques. Behold the power of my stand, Zumba. <laughs> and so, yeah, he, you know, he, he runs out. His sister, his older sister that's talking to her friend on the phone, is just like, what are you doing? And he's just like, shit, I don't remember. Guess it wasn't too big of a deal. <laughs> Basically, we're now getting a, a, a vampire story, but like psychic vampirism, right? <laughs> yeah. R- Rohan is draining Koichi of his essence, but Koichi is bound to his lair and, and returns with this unconscious pull. Mm-hmm. Koichi shows up at Rohan's house again the, that morning, and he, he's feeling unease, like there's something wrong here. But at the same time, he can't not go into Rohan's house. But meanwhile, whenever the bros are not with Koichi, they are spying on Koichi. This keeps <laughs> happening. Yeah. They have no other hobbies. They yeah. just spy on their little buddy. I think they just are really rooting for him and really don't want anybody to fuck up this precious tiny guy. <laughs> and so they're just always in the shadows, keeping an eye on him. Yeah, Josuke and, and Okuyasu are just like, who the fuck house is that? Why is he? Why is Koichi going in there? We're really suspicious immediately. Whenever uh, Rohan is being like evil, his house mm-hmm. reflects that by becoming way darker lit. Yes, yes. Currently, his entire house is is unlit except for the candlelight that he is drawing by. He's a vampire. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a metaphorical vampire, mm-hmm. analogous to vampire. Rohan is drawing a, a new page of his his manga, and he is like furiously drawing he he angrily drawing even he looks so pissed mm-hmm. off while doing it but he sees koichi is here and he's so happy that his muse is back yes quote right on time for our session credits <laughs> ah, yeah. ah. Ah. so now episode 15 let's go to the manga artist's house part two and we open on the town of morio reflected in the eye of a crow eating a spider ah and then we go right back to the final moments of the last episode. Just just a replay of Koichi going back into the house. Yep. And once we've caught up with the present, we see uh, Rohan pledging to do uh, the next pages with 10 minutes per page. <laughs> yeah. This is less realistic than a screaming chicken that lives inside batteries. <laughs> <laughs> and so we get to see how Rohan does a page. Mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. 10 minutes you know that part in irobot where uh sunny is like sketching his dream yeah yeah that's pretty cool that's the fastest drawing i can remember and that's cool <laughs> mm-hmm. uh if, if you haven't seen it uh this robot draws a whole landscape from his memory through cross hatching but he does all the vertical lines so it looks yes. like nothing and then he does all the horizontal lines uh, uh and it's it's a cool effect as the the uh, picture eventually takes shape. Yeah, yeah. Rohan draws about that fast. Yep. At first, That's what I'm getting to. At first, it's just, you know, you know, a million Dragon Ball Z punches, but with a pen going over a page and somehow a picture forms. But then yes. you get a far more detailed uh, animation where you actually see the drawing, you know, being done by his hand at lightning speed. And what he's drawing is a tiny zoot suit man. Yes. Dashing along a suburban street in front of a Volkswagen Beetle park, parked <laughs> on the curb. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. I guess this is the pink dark boy, yep. uh, the, the titular boy yeah. of pink darkness. <laughs> so Koichi is marveling at Rohan's technique, not just because it's super fast, but because he did no pencils. He went straight to inks. Straight to inks, yes, yes. And then... His his uh, technique for for the spot blacks uh, uh, yeah. for for filling in the the all black portions is incredible. He just picks up his pen and flicks it with such deft precision that globs of ink <laughs> yeah. fill in the the uh, spots that 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 uh, where it's needed uh, perfectly and exactly, not crossing the lines with yeah. with like nice evenness you know not soaking through like you would expect say a glob of flung ink it is the most shonen ass thing in yeah. the history of jojo's bizarre adventure which is why koichi is at his krillinist during this yes. whole drawing escapade yeah it's just speed lines behind koichi is he he's just like holy shit look at that <laughs> and like koichi is a, a big enough manga nerd to also know the name of spot blacks and and knowing that you do pencils before you do inks and all that shit mm -hmm, mm -hmm. koichi is just marveling at how quickly rohan did this and rohan is like in a feverish sweat like his, yes his creativity is so intense and unbound that he can't it, it feels like rohan himself cannot keep up with how fast he 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 needs mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. get this creativity out. So he's yeah, I just mean, he, He's been drawing this entire chapter in a day. That's yeah. four times as fast as even he can do it. Yeah. And he he is just sweating. He's like almost losing his mind. And he grabs like 10 brushes all at once. <laughs> yes. in no, not 10. It's like two dozen. <laughs> just a fistful of brushes. Yeah, and so the, the prequel too for a few brushes more. <laughs> yeah, he's got all of the these paint brushes in one hand. He he's telling Koichi like, "Bro, I need another page from your face. I got to rip another one out." Like, sure, you're mm -hmm, going to keep mm -hmm. losing weight, but you'll live on through eternity for eternity through my works. You know, as this happens, Koichi's face like flips open, and this is when Koichi remembers everything that had happened the previous time he was here with Heaven's Door and all this shit. Mm -hmm. And this is where we get the second opening of the show. Yes, yes. Uh, the, the new OP is a music video that a boy band makes to prove they have edge and grit. Yes, yeah. Th th this is when the bad boy gr grows a soul patch uh, <laughs> uh, in, the, in the history of the boy band. Yeah, compared to Crazy Noisy Bizarre Town, this one is far edgier feeling. It's got a, a darker like color palette and tone to it. We we see a lot of uh, future stand. There's a lot of Rohan in it, uh, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, there's the the stand user from the next episode makes an appearance. So uh, and a lot of characters I don't recognize yet, including there's even more girls in this one. There's even more girls. Yeah, the, the we haven't met all the girls. Yeah, there's there's multiple more ladies to meet still. And yeah, you, you go through all that, and then the, the opening kind of ends with uh, maybe one of the, the more like normal shonen OP things in a JoJo opening was just the main cast all lined up ready to fight something, uh, mm -hmm. and then they, they go reach out to touch whatever this new antagonist is uh, as it zooms into his eyeball. <laughs> ah. Uh. I guess we should mention that in these episodes, I think it's this one that we're talking about at the end. The ending also changes by adding more of uh, the recent characters oh, to yeah. it. Yep. So uh, Rohan and his book make an appearance in the ending from here on out. Uh, Akira and Joseph are out at the docks yep. uh, at the very end. 
Yeah. So yeah, after we return from the the opening, Rohan is you know just going crazy again. He's ready to rip out another page from Koichi's face. But ding dong, the boys are here. Mm-hmm. What the fuck's going on here? And Rohan is very confused why there might be boys here uh, uh, looking for the boy he has here. He <laughs> writes a manga and he doesn't know what friends are? <laughs> yeah. There, I guess there ain't a lot of Nakama in the psychological horror <laughs> genre. Yeah. He doesn't deal with that shit. <laughs> As Rohan is looking out the window wondering why these two guys are here, Koichi is crawling all the way down to the first floor, trying to reach the front door to get help. As he opens the door, the instant he walks out, all the the pages on his body close up, and he forgets why he, you know, he forgets about the trouble he's in, and he just says, like, oh, hey, guys, you know, I'm just visiting a friend. Nothing weird going on here. You can leave. (laughs) He seems to have doorway-based amnesia. Yeah. Also, but before uh, Koichi goes down, before he, you know, runs to make this escape that Mm -hmm. suddenly isn't an escape wah rohan says quote josuke and okiyasu don't interest me right now which i think is a very interesting line because like rohan is considered the self-insert right yes that is a thing that everybody says yeah even if he may not act the way that like araki does perhaps it is absolutely his self-insert or like his his uh the 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 anime shonen mangaka equivalent of a fursona maybe (laughs) OC. <laughs> There's an undeniable pull to want to read Rohan that way, to put him in that yeah, box. Yeah. But I think it is limiting and it is constricting because, like, you could fall into an infinite hole. Like, what does it mean for Rocky self-insert to say, Josuke and Okiyasu don't interest <laughs> me right now? Yeah. And you could just fall in that spiral and so many more interesting strands of, of thought and engagement will just pass you by. <laughs> yeah. It is a very common thing to think that he is a self-insert. I don't I don't really believe that. I do think Araki probably puts some of himself in that character, but I think it's more just Oh, for sure. just like it almost feels like Araki thinking, "Man, if I could be what I envisioned the perfect mangaka to be, <laughs> you know, like the mm-hmm, frustrations mm-hmm. of how long it takes to make X amount of pages and all that shit. It's just like, dude, what if I could just do it in 4 days and have a weekend every week? A 3-day weekend a even. A 3-day weekend, dude. Like, damn, what if I had no assistants? That'd be probably be nice. That's kind of a weird thing to say when so many of his assistants work on this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah so so apparently everything for Pink Dark Boy itself is by uh, a specific one of Araki's assistants. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, who also has done a lot of the like stand art for title cards and, and a lot of other things for the, the uh, anime. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's neat. Another thing that I think is interesting about uh, Rohan is that much in the way Yukiko did, he pulls the series into a different genre. It's just mm-hmm. a genre that that is a lot, you know, closer on the spectrum to to JoJo's than you know Yukiko's. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there's a reason why Rohan appears a bunch in this OP, and you know, there's just a lot of fun shit to do with Rohan. Because this whole thing about, like, you know, screaming and running for your life, and then as soon as you open the door, just suddenly that blinks away. It's frightening. It is a frightening thought. You know, the the loss of oneself and one's own mind. Yeah. And then it happens, like, three times in quick succession, and it becomes (laughs) an incredible gag. Yes, yeah. (laughs) It's, It's a really funny, like, hard cut of, like, 
you know, pleasant Koichi acting like everything's normal. The instant the door closes is a hard cut to all of Koichi's, you know, skin pages opening up and him going like, ah, and then he opens the door and he's normal again. Then he closes the door. Ah, like it's really funny. So uh, Okiyasu and uh, Josuke are informed that, yeah, that this is, you know, that this uh, manga artist I really like. He, he lives here. He, he makes tea. He lets me watch him work. It's all cool. I'll, I'll, I'll be to school uh, on time, I promise. May- maybe a little late, but you don't got to worry about me. Yeah. And Josuke's like, yeah, okay, I'm not really that into manga. I got made fun of for not knowing enough about manga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, about permit or whatever. <laughs> And and we all know that Okiyasu only talks about sports manga so far. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like after that that bit, Koichi makes his way back up to the second floor into Rohan's uh, workshop, and he's just freaking out, going like, "God damn, Heaven's door is so powerful. There's no way to attack him. I don't know what to do." And Rohan mm-hmm. is just having a good time drawing more pages and now he has both uh facebook pages he's ripped out of koichi's head on a little stand he's made that they're like clamped up almost like fucking like x-rays sort of <laughs> it looks really medical and creepy or like tiny laundry on, on a line yeah because like you know they still have the shape of koichi's face in a like in a vague way but like they're drooping a little bit because they're being hung up and it oh it's mm-hmm. creepy looking I mean, with the eye holes and the mouth hole and everything. Yeah. yeah. So Rohan talks about how if he uses too much of Koichi, he'll be a lifeless husk. Yeah. Which is, you know, a scary threat. But also from, you know, the creative side of things, does overdefining a character eliminate their charm? Mm. Like, how, how important is it when you draw maps to leave blanks? Do, do you have to leave behind some empty holes to put your narrative hooks into? Mm-hmm. And that's when Okiyasu kicks in the window <laughs> yeah. and shoots steam out of his nose like a cartoon bull ready to kill a matador. Yeah. Hell yes. He just tells Rohan, don't fucking move. I'll beat the living shit out of you if you do anything. Uh, Rohan is keeping his cool, not moving. You know, he's still got his back to to Okiyasu here. And it turns out the reason why... Okiyasu knew something was up was because when when Koichi was crawling down to the first floor, at some point he cut one of his fingers open and he was bleeding Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. did not notice. But Rohan is is cool and collected here because by reading Koichi, he already knows a ton about Okiyasu. Yes. He knows all about uh, Keicho and his, his complex he's got with his brother and all that shit. And how easy it is to just trick him. (laughs) Yep. Yep. As Okiyasu is, is uh, winding up for a, for a big punch uh, with the hand, Rohan just unveils some of these new pages uh, uh, right in his eyeline. And so the hand's arm unwinds. Yeah. Like basically like turns into a, a roll, a, a thrown roll of toilet paper yep. or or just an exploded slinky, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not just that you can have your 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 pages peel open. You can just unravel into a roll of paper. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, Okuyasu completely taken out of the fight, just disabled now because he's just a roll of paper on the fucking floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it happened to the hand, but it also happened to Okuyasu. It, it transfers, and all of his limbs are just useless. He he cannot get up. He cannot yep. stand. Yep. Right after this, we get a new, uh, you know, interstitial 
with mm-hmm. uh, Rohan and his stand, but his stand does have a defined form, but it's still in silhouette. Because we have not seen it yet, and we will not see it by the end of this episode. Yeah, it, it's a little bit before we see what Rohan's stand actually looks like. But but back in the action, uh, Rohan has already perceived that Josuke is also in his house, just hiding behind the door to, to the room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Koichi is having a hard time, you know, telling his friends what to do. And, <laughs> Koichi's and just having a hard time. He's having he's a hard, having time, a all hard time. But yeah, especially because there, there is writing in Koichi that s- states that he can't say anything that could bring harm to Rohan. So he's having a real hard yep. time yep. advising his friends in this fight at all. This is why he had door-based amnesia, and it's why he cannot say anything about the nature of Heaven's Door yep. to uh, uh, Josuke outside the regular kind of door, of a very terrestrial door. <laughs> yeah. And so we're kind of at a standstill here. Josuke has determined that you can't look at mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. manga without you know falling victim to Heaven's Door. So it's just kind of a standoff with like, well, shit. Rohan's trapped in this room. He's taken two guys out, but there's one more dude that could punch him in the face real hard. Uh, <laughs> but also the guy that could punch him in the face real hard doesn't know how to get into this room without also being turned into a roll of paper. Yeah, so, so we're at this standoff and Rohan is monologuing, trying to goad him into some action that is counterable, trying to uh, think about what steps he'll take next. What what if every villain monologue was just a real bad attempt at reverse psychology? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to think my plan is the opposite of that. What will you do now, 007? <laughs> so yeah, Ro- Rohan is, is saying out loud, that, oh, I bet Josuke is currently thinking of a way to escape the house and get help from other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, like, reading Koichi's, uh, one of Koichi's pages, saying, like, oh, Josuke would never run away, you know, but as a mangaka, you have to, to pick up the habit of considering every single possible situation that could arise out of this. Did you know that manga <laughs> artists are all tactical geniuses? <laughs> Oh, man. They are all eight chess moves ahead at all times. Minimum. <laughs> Oguyasu immediately buys into the the stupid plan uh, of, of J- Josuke leaving. And so he's just like, yeah, that could be great. And uh, Koichi's just like, yeah, Yukako could probably help a lot with her hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to know he still thinks about her, yeah. I guess. But basically, the only way out is to hope that Rohan doesn't overdo it. And you just you just got to forget the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like, that'll teach you to track down a guy who moved to be alone. You know, it serves <laughs> you right, honestly. Yeah. And while Rohan is doing this monologue, he's grabbed one of Okuyasu's noodly arms, like, by the hand. It's just kind of <laughs> swinging it around a bit. And he, he tosses <laughs> it onto the floor and tells Koichi, like, hey, you should read what I just wrote in okuyasu's uh arm page and it says if josuke tries to help us i'll burn myself to death yes yes he will and and okuyasu just laughs and goes like that's fucking dumb i would never do that and in the middle of him saying that his arm just slides in from out of frame holding a lighter and it lights his other arm on fire (laughs) yeah because your your body doesn't just you know, unwind into pages, the pages have the properties of paper. He is a very flammable boy. (laughs) Yeah. And so now Okuyasu's arm's on fire and he's screaming and shit. And so this... (laughs) 
<laughs> so now it this this spurs Josuke into action. He cannot take it anymore. Rohan may have all the powers of a god, but he is weak against blindfolds. Yes. Yeah. As long as as long as he don't see the manga. Yeah, as, as long as he doesn't see the pages, uh, Heaven's Door will, will not open him up. You know what? Go for it. Why not, big guy? You, you got this. Yeah, so when Josuke, like, comes into the room, he... He's not. He just just doesn't have his eyes closed. He's got them like his whole face scrunched up and like almost like a really childish way. It's incredibly childish. Yeah, it's, it is a last ditch attempt. And Rohan's like, "Huh, that might work if I can't get you to open your eyes." And so he grabs a whole bunch of fountain pen nibs, puts them in between his fingers, like in the most shonen ass way possible, and then just flicks them with like extremely high precision, and they embed <laughs> in Josuke's face. None of them get him right in the eye, but. But even this does does not break his resolve, does not open them them peepers. Uh, so uh, so Rohan has to try something even trickier. He has to go back into the file, down into the vaults, to see something guaranteed to get a reaction out of Josuke. That's right. It's the return of the hair thing. Yep. Josuke is, like, sprinting towards Rohan, and so... This is the one time we actually see Jojo time measured in units. Because yes. we get to see Rohan's like internal monologue on what exactly he should do. And it's like one thousandth of a second or something. There's like a little digital clock timer in the bottom left, just counting how long it actually took for Rohan to formulate this plan. And it's less than like a tenth of a second. For no reason. For no reason whatsoever do we get this clock. <laughs> It's so funny. Just because we can. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, he starts uh, unleashing a barrage of targeted insults against the quaff. Yep. Uh, and we, we know uh, how this goes. Uh, Jojo does enter a blind rage. Uh, so he's going to open his eyes up and look at this guy to know just where to punch him. And when he opens his eyes, he sees the pages and all seems lost, except he does continue to punch him. He kicks this dude's ass horribly, (laughs) tears apart the office. Furniture is flying everywhere. Rohan is a bloody pulp. Like it it was a blind rage taken literally. He's so angry. He cannot read. Yeah, he can't see shit, and he, like, even after he just absolutely destroys Rohan, like, he can't see, he's so pissed off, and so he just starts blindly tearing the entire room apart, trying to find Rohan so he can beat him up even more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, like, kicking all the desks apart and shit. I kind of wish the bros were switched, because I th- it would be so, so funny if, like, okay... Uh, Josuke is is on fire. Okiyasu has to save the day, and he, he's immune to Heaven's Door because he cannot read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so as you know, Rohan has been had his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, like Koichi and Okiyasu pull themselves back together. They're back to normal. The the pages of Koichi's face fly back and reattach to himself, and he gets half of his weight back. <laughs> He took so many pages. He took so much out of that boy. Yeah. Rohan is like barely conscious, just like blood pouring out of his mouth. A bookcase has has him pinned down to the floor. And he's just like, fuck, that didn't work. And I didn't know about it. I guess because not even Koichi knew how pissed, just exactly how pissed off Josuke could become when his Mm -hmm. hair is insulted. And he's like, there's got to be some fucking reason for why this makes him so pissed off. And Koichi thinks... Yeah, there there might be. 
I half remembered a story that he told me part of. <laughs> and I didn't believe him at the time. Yeah, yeah, I guess, which, which is the get around for how Koichi knows this, but Rohan doesn't. Uh, uh, so we have a, a bleak, snowy flashback for the origin story of Josuke's haircut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back to when Josuke was four years old, in, in the depths of uh, the, the same uh, pain and, and psychic tumult that, that was nearly killing Holly, remember, back when yep. the Joestar group was, was out in Egypt. Yeah, Dio's curse. So yeah, all that idyllic weather at Jotaro's house when they're getting ready to leave, that was a month before the worst blizzard in Morio <laughs> history? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all right, cool. All right. But Dio's curse has hit uh, Josuke so hard that his mother is terrified for his life. They need to go to the hospital in the big city, S-City, mentioned for the mm-hmm. third time in this two-parter. She didn't even want to wait for the... Uh, uh, ambulance she's driving herself but they are stuck in a snowed in road uh trapped in in their own uh slippery slippery snow tracks and they are rescued by a teenage gangster with josuke's haircut not only his haircut but his whole general style not only his whole general style but the shape of his face is this time traveling josuke and this is the whoever this guy is this josuke he's also like badly hurt right now he is bleeding and bruised Mm -hmm. and every time in this flashback because like in this flashback you can hear uh josuke's mom you know talking and stuff but every time this teenager talks you don't hear his voice instead it goes to like a silent movie dialogue card where Mm -hmm. his dialogue gets typed out letter by letter well otherwise it would be obvious this is time traveling josuke (laughs) (laughs) creating his own aesthetic in an ontological paradox (laughs) yeah and so, yeah, th- this this teen like takes his school jacket off, puts it under the wheel to give it some traction, and he starts pushing the car uh, mm-hmm. and and is able to free it. Yeah, yeah. He he lays down his jacket as a mat uh, yeah. uh, to get some traction. Good move. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. I mean, the actual floor mats of the car would be a lot better, but sure, whatever. Mm-hmm. The mistake is when he tells uh, uh, his mom, because this is fucking Josuke back in time, uh, uh, <laughs> to hit the accelerator when you, you want to rock out of the rut while you're in neutral. Yeah. Uh, hitting the accelerator is liable to dig the wheels in even deeper, but whatever. Yeah. So yes, uh, young Josuke in the back just has this powerful memory of this man that saved his life and uh, uh, made his entire look as uh, hair especially in tribute to this silent uh, uh, hero that they could never find later. You know why? Because he traveled back to the present. That's why. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Another little bit of a flashback from like a few weeks ago or something where Koichi's asking Josuke, like, why is your hair like that? And he's just like, yo, it's just because a dude saved my life when he had that cool ass hair. <laughs> I want to be like him. So any insult to this hair isn't an insult to the hair, but to that man, to this wandering noble hero that <laughs> saved his life. And that is why any insult cannot go, cannot be left unanswered. Yeah. Uh, everyone will be made to feel pain for, for speaking ill of, of this uh, uh, wandering hero. Yeah. But the way we come back from the flashback to the present isn't just like a fade out from that scene to this, mm-hmm. but instead a crossfade from the uh, Morio Town Square of 11 years ago to today. Yeah. Which has been totally re-landscaped in the middle and uh, even some renovations on the transit station. Yeah. Which I appreciate as a way to like make the setting feel a little more real, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's some cool shit. So after we, we come back from that flashback, uh, Koichi 
goes, oh shit, watch out, Rohan's got a pen. Uh, and Okuyasu immediately winds up a kick to just knock this dude out. But Rohan's like, no, wait, don't fucking kill me. That story was just so fucking good. I need to write it down on paper before I pass the fuck out. <laughs> See, this is the real secret of people. They say they don't spend that much time working. There's a lot of hours they're forgetting to count. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, Rohan is constantly making these notes when he's out on his three-day weekend walking the, through the town. Yep, he's not counting those hours. Yep. those are. That's just research, man. That's <laughs> He's working over the weekend. And so, yeah, as Rohan is, like, writing this note right before he's about to pass out from blood loss, uh, Koichi's just like, man, he really is an incredible mangaka. And then <laughs> Josuke finds Rohan. He's like, there you fucking are. And he just, like, punches the shit out of him some more and destroys all of the windows in the house in the process. But our friend is also dedicated as well. We must respect both of these men <laughs> for their incredible dedication. And the, the ending of this episode is uh, the next volume of whatever, uh, you know, publication that Rohan's work is put in, like whatever Shonen Jump style thing, uh, the new volume just falls on top of the frame and mm -hmm. the it's the final page of that, that week's Pink Dark Boy and it just says, uh, due to sudden illness, Pink Bar Dark Boy will be returning after a short one month break because Rohan <laughs> has been has gotten so fucked up by Josuke. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> you insult the hair, you don't get the magic healing touch. Regular yeah. doctors got to fix you. <laughs> yeah. Episode sixteen. Let's go hunting. Oh man, let's go hunting. It begins with yeah, Jotaro invites Josuke on a family hunting trip. Yeah. And he asks, hey, do you mean we're hunting for hotties with hot bodies? And he says, no. <laughs> we're so, going to kill animals. So something I want to I want to ask you about, like, because it's visible almost from frame one in this mm -hmm. episode. Did you notice that this episode looks really good, like <laughs> compared to other episodes? I mean, I noticed that uh, uh, Jotaro, Jotaro looks real good. He's got a special new outfit with new medallions. Yes. Yeah, he does get... He's got a heart that's made out of two, like, curved dolphins, like, almost kissing each other. Yes. Dolphins that are kissing to make a heart shape. It's amazing. And on his <laughs> other side, he has what appears to be a, a, a protractor. Lisa Frank-ass Jotaro. <laughs> But no, this episode is full of both like some pretty good animation and spots, and also um, all of the like more still shots have really like far more detailed like thick contouring to the outlines mm -hmm, of everything. Mm -hmm. And also, Josuke is absurdly expressive in this episode. <laughs> it, yes, yeah. He uh, when he gets excited, he has such an incredible face, and it yeah. happens several times. Yeah. I do enjoy Jotaro wearing the symbols of his profession. He is yeah. sea life and a measurement tool. This is the marine biologist uniform. Yeah. Just never walk to the left of, of Jotaro because you'll get fucking stabbed by that big ass protractor thing. <laughs> like, goddamn. Someone's going to take an eye out with that. Uh, it's okay. He's like seven feet tall. No, nobody's eyeball is high enough. <laughs> yeah, it's true. have to it's worry. True. I just love that the the Joe on his hat is a, spelled with a dolphin and a sun. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. He loves dolphins so much. 
so so the story of this hunting trip is that there is a rat that can use a stand. This rat got shot with an arrow, survived. This rat may have more will than Koichi. Yeah. And it w- it wasn't Keicho that did this. This was uh, Akira when he had the bone mm-hmm, arrow. Mm-hmm. He was shooting random animals with it. This rat has a greater will to live than Holly Cujo. Yeah. What the fuck? So uh, b- because this rat has, you know, animal senses, it's going to see him coming before their two big burly punch stands get close. So if you have star platinum plus marbles <laughs> equals gun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's we're immediately <laughs> going to uh, a field where Jotaro is training Josuke to do the same thing, and yeah, they're just flicking ball bearings super hard to just turn them into bullets, and so they've mm-hmm, just got mm-hmm. like cans lined up on this fence, <laughs> just shooting cans. And uh, Jotaro, of course, expert, you know, he he is incredibly precise after all. Uh, uh, if if that rat sees him coming, it's the last thing that rat's going to see. But Josuke needs practice. Yeah, he doesn't have the same level of precision as Star Platinum, and also just mm-hmm, not the mm-hmm. level of practice. Uh, he's only just started really fighting with his stand. So uh, with, with his two shots, he, he nails one can square, uh, just obliterates it, and the other one, uh, uh, the bottle bearing uh, embeds in the very tippy top of the fence, does not quite get the can. Yeah. And his nephew's like, eh, I give that an 85%. You're, you're okay, kid. <laughs> yeah. So so the whole like opening act of this episode though is Jotaro like talking about this rat like he's the, the dude from Jaws like he has <laughs> such a fucking yeah. intensity about hunting and also a wealth of rat facts it makes me very curious about his life as a, a professional fish looker Yeah it really it seems like just because he may be a pro at fishes he's got a decent amount of knowledge about just a lot of other animals and also at this point seems like he's and, got and exper- the philosophy of the hunt in yeah, general yeah this dude is like a hunter tracker now it's at some point but yeah it's so yeah he's he's just laying out rat facts they're walking through this field and hey we've already found some tracks uh, and it's and Josuke's just like those look like bird tracks, right? And Jotaro's just like no, no, no. The, there's fucking the number of toes on the back feet are different than the front. That's a rat. There's like mm-hmm, this little mm-hmm. S-shaped drag on the drag mark on the ground from his tail, and he's tracking it by mites he's finding on leaves. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, they followed this track from the wilderness to a, a ravine that is fed by a drain pipe. That, you know, drains the the uh, excess irrigation and whatnot from a local farm. And he's like, mm, that drain pipe, that's a rat house right there. Yeah. Let's set up some traps. And uh, Josuke's like, hey, how come you don't put cheese in, in your, your uh, rat traps? Because cheese is too good for this fucking rat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this rat gets crumbs of tempura because cheese is too good for it. Jotaro has a burning fucking hatred for this rat. <laughs> Uh, and also tempura, uh, I guess. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. And as, as they're setting up all these traps, they're also setting up like a, a video camera to record to see if they can get any shots of this rat being here sometime during the day. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh, Josuke is kind of looking around and he smells something weird and he sees a whole bunch of flies uh, hanging out around some some brush nearby. And when he, he pushes his brush aside to see what's going on, he finds a giant gelatinous meat cube full of rat corpses. He finds the rat jelly cube. Everyone Ugh. loves the rat jelly cube. You've heard of aspics, right? Probably not, because <laughs> you're less than f- 
<laughs> because you're less than 60 years old. Um, but uh, yeah, it's basically it's basically what this is. Uh, it's it's a cube of meat jello. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, with all the hair and the teeth and the tails and yep. various body parts. And this is a pretty sizable cube. It goes like almost up to Jotaro's knees. So this is huge. And Jotaro, there's a lot of rats in this cube of rats. And Jotaro takes a stick and pokes it. And it just immediately starts leaking blood all over the place. And he's just uh-huh. like, mm, yep, this is a whole bunch of dead rats that melted and then congealed back into a cube. It's so fucking gross. So this stand rat obviously can do this shit and also is territorial. Yeah. He's ta- taken out the competition for this prime bit of rat land. <laughs> and so, you know, they're just kind of out, you know, in the middle of nowhere, essentially. But there is a farm nearby like a farmhouse mm-hmm. and so they they get up and, and pull out binoculars and are scanning the the house and they notice okay there's nobody outside all the cars appear to be parked in that garage over there and also the front door is just hanging open a little bit doesn't look good yeah yeah Th- this is a monster movie this is a straight up monster movie mm-hmm. and jotaro is our werewolf expert or, or whatever <laughs> yeah so it's time to you know go into this house sweep it room by room real carefully mm-hmm. look for any tracks oh there's some rat droppings like the, the the expectation is that whoever lives in this house is most surely dead oh yeah the first casualties after kate show come from some fucking rat <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because they they split up and they're searching different rooms and josuke goes into the the kitchen all the lights are off it's pretty dimly lit but he can see a refrigerator in there and the mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. door just opens up on its own and bam well before this before they split up jotaro is like okay we're at the advantage because this rat is smart but not smart enough to know what guns are or just like <laughs> the concept of ranged weaponry yeah like, yeah are you sure about that mm, i don't know so, so yes uh josuke sees this uh, uh refrigerator door open itself but wait Quote, nobody told me rats could open refrigerator doors. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Uh, well, the rat did it. He fucking did it. So so as the door opens wider uh, and uh, Josuke peers in from the doorway, he sees a cube of grandparent meat. <laughs> yeah. Kindly old Ma and Pa Farmer have been fused into their own meat jelly cube, mm-hmm. and it's being kept cool in the refrigerator for the rat to snack on one munchum at a time. <laughs> yeah. And the grandparents are alive, by the way. They're just kind of twitching. Yeah. It. They're twitching and moaning, but yeah. they're a meat cube. It's so fucked up. It is like, this is like jojo part three like violence we're seeing here maybe even worse actually the most fucked up thing in this whole episode (laughs) is that yeah they're still alive they're i don't know if they're conscious i hope not jesus christ yeah but uh, uh eventually the danger in the kitchen will subside Josuke will say, hmm, I should help put these people back together with crazy diamond that would be a good thing to do then he leaves (laughs) it is like insinuated that he can like they say Oh, I can fix them with with Crazy Diamond, but you never see it happen. We can only assume, we have to assume for the goodness of our (laughs) hero that he does sometime when we're not looking. But no, no, those people are just dead and wiggling forever. Oh, God. The, The rat is snacking on grandma and grandpa meat. 
Uh, it turns around and makes eye contact with Josuke uh, while it's snacking. And it's not threatened yet because Josuke is, you know, still basically outside the room by like a foot mm-hmm, or so. Mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, shit, this is my best shot. I got to nail him right now. But there's a fucking table in the way. Yes. So so he has to very call carefully, very cautiously, like hold his breath and lean and shuffle a little bit. Don't spook the rat. Don't spook the rat. But but get that table out of the way of his fucking like firing solution. <laughs> yeah. And then Crazy Diamond flips that ball bearing direct hit into the shoulder. But the rat survives. It is not a fatal blow. Ah. So, yeah, the rat tries to, to run off and Josuke kicks that table out of the way so it blocks the other exit out of the room uh knocks a chair over and the the rat goes and hides behind it and and josuke prepares another shot but as he's waiting for the rat it peeks out from around the corner and dies Mm -hmm, it mm -hmm. has a very dramatic death throw uh as it reaches for the sky before it it kills over and dies Uh, and this whole time josuke's like yelling for jotaro and he fucking never hears him yeah you're skipping the rat's counterattack. oh right the rat had a counterattack. After the rat is hit, but before the rat dies, it summons its stand. Yeah. Uh, its stand is a little, like, diesel punk walking tank. Yeah. With an angry little face, but then the face just sort of rotates on it, uh, the vertical axis, to uh, uh, reveal the artillery piece <laughs> yeah. that it is. Uh, this stand is called Rat, Rat with two T's like the band. It is not named in this episode. It does not get a title card this episode. Yeah. But that is the stand's name. It is a ranged uh, uh, attack stand user. So so it lines up a shot and fires this sort of barbed needle looking thing at Josuke, who's left wondering, how the fuck do I deal with this? He he, he should get his own little like one fifth of a <laughs> second counter in the quarter like Rohan. But no. Uh, he, he's just left indecisive. Like, can I? T- should I dodge? Should I swat it? And then Crazy Diamond apparently gets the idea <laughs> to hold up a frying pan and block it with the the power of cast iron. <laughs> it's a good thing that's not like a you know uh, like an armor piercing thing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, a projectile that that stand shoots out. <laughs> So this is when the rat dies and Josuke is continuing to like shout for Jotaro like, hey, I got him. I found him. Also, yeah, great moment in the action to revive Auntie M and Uncle Henry here. But no, doesn't happen. Doesn't (laughs) fucking happen. Uh, So so yeah, Jotaro arrives. He checks out the stand. Uh, He he checks out the dead rat. And eventually he he breaks the silence. Silence that makes... That made me wonder if Jotaro wasn't, like, replaced with a pod person or something. <laughs> yeah, right. But no, he's just slightly more quiet than usual to show a, a hand that is so gruesome it is entirely blacked out. I don't know yeah. what's going on here, but it can't be good. Jotaro, uh, his hand is melting and falling apart. <laughs> because uh, it turns out there is a second rat with the exact same stand. Two rats mm-hmm, were mm-hmm. shot by this arrow. On the other side of our Star Platinum, you know, part four version title card, uh, uh, yeah, Jodoro is calling 1-800-SPEEDWAGON to, to give him an update <laughs> and, and get some deets. Yeah, uh, <laughs> while Keicho was shooting people to try to kill his, his sad monster dad, uh, apparently Akira was just shooting people for fucking fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He wanted to, to play target practice with some rats and shot not one, but two rats that have identical rat stands called rat. <laughs> uh, 
And by the way, these rats aren't normal looking rats anymore. They're they got like weird armor plating style growths on their heads. Yeah, like like so sort of evil. a thick callus has formed a, a helmet. Yeah. What happened with, with Jotaro when he encountered the other rat is it fired a shot at him and, you know, with his super reaction time he used star platinum because he he saw the projectile and thought this is a weird projectile what the fuck is up with this thing and star platinum grabs it between his fingers uh Mm mid-air but it's it's got needles on it and even just those needles just brushing star platinum's fingers was enough to cause jotaro's hand to start melting off the bone (laughs) and he's like hey kid give me the good touch give me my hand back fucking fix me please also fix those old people please i wish yeah, right? Right? <laughs> I wish we saw that happen. It, it's back to tracking. Uh, they're not backtracking. They're back to tracking. Uh, uh, and they find, a you know, a trail of footsteps and droppings and little chewed bits of celery out in the field. Like, yeah. ah, this rat is, is going back uh, into that ravine, back toward its home. I see. Ha ha ha. And Josuke makes one of those incredible excited faces once once they find th- this evidence of the trail. His eyes get so big yeah. and bright. Yes, like the, those those faces that Josuke makes in this episode almost he almost reverts to like a '90s anime style <laughs> with the way his <laughs> eyes are drawn. It's really funny. They're so dewy and yeah. colorful. Yeah. But their quarry has also earned a name. See, uh, once they run back the footage on their stationary camera, they see that the second rat has a chewed up ear. So they're going to call it bug eaten. (laughs) Bug eaten, like a bug ate a bit off a leaf. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bug eaten. So the, the one surviving monster from the group of monsters survives with like this distinctive scar Mm-hmm. This is the the one specific xenomorph from Alien vs. Predator that, <laughs> that got the Predator net cutting into its carapace. Right, yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, so, the, yeah, they continue to track Bug Eaten here. Mm-hmm. They've reached a point where they're kind of on a dirt path that has kind of hills on, on each side of it. They're following the tracks, and all of a sudden, the track just stops dead in the middle of the path. Mm-hmm. And Jotaro goes, oh, shit, this is the world's smartest rat. <laughs> <laughs> because this rat is uh, exhibiting behavior usually only seen in, like, predators and not rats, which is backtracking where some animals will, uh, you know, stop and then walk in the exact same footsteps they left. I don't know if this shit's fucking real or if Rocky made this shit up. Backtracking behavior is, is in fact, a, a real behavior okay. that, that uh, uh, prey animals will do animals, to, yeah. to avoid predators. Okay. However, like the narrator, yes, this is given to us by the narrator. It's been a while. Glad to have you back. Uh, <laughs> says, it has never before been seen in rats. <laughs> yeah, so this is the world's smartest rat. Uh, although this is after another bit of their tracking that I loved when they have to go through the big puddle oh yes i i love this moment because like uh they have, they have to go through a big big puddle they're they're gonna go down through you know water up to their shins jotaro just like huffs and walks through the damn water while josuke takes off his socks and shoes and and pulls up his pant legs as high as they'll go as he starts <laughs> like stepping real daintily he's grumpy the whole fucking time because uh, uh, there's two boys in that boy. He's he's very squeamish. He doesn't yep. like to touch gross things. <laughs> yeah. But he has so much pride in his appearance, and we get to see it, and we get to see uh, Jotaro play off of it when he hurries him up by mentioning the leeches in the air. 
Yeah. The grossest thing possible. So he hurries as fast as he can, which makes him drop his socks and shoes and ruin them. The city slickers ass gag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just see like a reflection of Josuke's face in the water as he sees the all that shit go into the water, and he just like cries. <laughs> it's very good. <laughs> he just wails. Bug Eaton is backtracking now, and oh no, the the hunters have become the hunted. Mm-hmm. This rat that is base essentially a mounted sniper has gone off somewhere up into the hills that this path is surrounded by and has the 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 high ground advantage mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it also there's also tons of rocks everywhere so it has tons of like snipers nests to hide in <laughs> Josuke reaches into some of the rocks down in in the middle of this gulch why i couldn't say but what he comes out with is one of the rat traps that snaps on his fingers yes yeah the rat buggy somehow brought a rat trap with him to snap on somebody's hand so so yeah they they go against the rat with traps and makeshift guns and they are attacked with their own traps and the rat's own makeshift guns it it is a very clear and even reversal so they they have both gone and hidden behind the one rock in this dirt path uh, to get some cover. And they've got to come up with a plan to try and find this rat and take him out for good. You know, they've been firing at this rat with with ball bearings, but the range is too great now. Ball mm-hmm. bearings just can't go more than like 20 meters when they're flicked, I think is what, what was said earlier. They need something much more aerodynamic, something meant to, to travel at great speeds with great accuracy, great distances. That's right. Actual bullets. Yeah, Jotaro reaches into his like satchel and just pulls out a shitload of uh, of bullets, and not like. And by a shitload, you mean four? Okay, it's four all bullets. the ammunition he could possibly <laughs> smuggle into Japan. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Speedwagon Foundation. <laughs> e- even they aren't all powerful. They couldn't yeah. get an actual gun into Japan. Yeah. So these aren't uh, these aren't like you know like nine millimeter rounds or something for a pistol. These are like rifle rounds. <laughs> Imagine Star Platinum with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the most impossibly precise creature ever oh, devised man. with a gun. Yeah, Jotaro would be like a, a, a the world's most incredible sniper. He could have shot Dio from Japan. <laughs> Yeah, accounting for for wind and all the other factors. Totally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're they're formulating a plan here with with these bullets. Uh, Jotaro says Josuke is going to have to be the one to fire the shots. Basically, they need to determine where the rat is, and Jotaro wants to do this by making himself a decoy. He's going to run yes. up the hill and get shot at. And then Josuke will have to seal the deal. And he he lays out the very uh, uh, correct rationale for why they're splitting the jobs this way. Mm -hmm. Even though he's the better shot, he's much better suited to be the decoy because he can be healed and Josuke can't. Yep. Uh, Jotaro starts going up the hill and this rat, yeah, he's got his rat stand out behind hiding behind a rock. Jotaro is uh, dodging the the sniper volleys here by using the world to stop time mm-hmm. and just walk out of the the trajectory of the bullets. I love just hearing him shout "Star Platinum, the world." Yeah, <laughs> it's very good. Yeah, so that works once. Yeah, the second time the rat lines up a shot, knowing knowing that Jotaro is going to somehow dodge within the blink of an eye in stopped time. And so he was actually shooting at the rock behind him so that his dart would ricochet and strike Jotaro in the back post-dodge. Yeah, 
and he gets nailed by like two bullets one in his arm one in his leg and so jotaro is just the right side of him is just melting it's just falling apart and so he's fallen to the ground and he can like barely get up if akira otoishi was as smart as a rat they would all be dead (laughs) yeah I I love that probably the greatest threat to Jotaro so far outside of Dio is this fucking rat. <laughs> this rat. If Jotaro was fighting this rat alone, he may have actually died. Well, no, no. If if Jotaro was fighting this rat on his own, he would somehow dig a hole into the ground. <laughs> That's right. He di- he should dig a hole. And then he'd win. Never mind. Holes yeah, in the could- ground always win. Never mind. Yeah, he could have pulled out the the dig a hole part three strategy and just dug underneath the rat and punched him from underground. He's got this. It's fine. Yeah, it's just it's just been so long since he's hung out with Polnareff, and you know it's been so long since you know Avdol passed away that he's forgotten the dig a hole strategy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so so much like tense naval warfare. Uh, uh, every time the rat fires, the rat uh, uh, is at the, the disadvantage of giving away its position, right? Yeah. So so each of these shots that is just wrecking his nephew is giving <laughs> Josuke more information on, on where to, to aim and fire. So th- this rat has cover. Uh, there, there is a, just enough of a rock jutting up between uh, uh, it and Josuke to cover him. But Josuke knows that, you know, one more shot and he's got a dead fucking nephew. <laughs> yeah. So so he takes the shot and he misses. And Jotaro, uh, like, the, the, the shot glances off that rock. The, the rat is unharmed. And Jotaro, like, his heart falls yeah. somewhere into the dirt as his body is melting. His heart falls. <laughs> But come on, man. You know the JoJo move. You've done the JoJo move so many times. He didn't yeah. miss. That's yeah. not what I missed. That's is. on purpose. <laughs> so so now that uh, the rat knows for sure where Josuke is firing f- from, it comes from behind the rock to line up a shot. Ah ha ha. As expected. And yeah. now the real shot goes right down the barrel. As Josuke holds binoculars in a way that no one should hold binoculars. <laughs> yeah, fucking vertically with his fingers threaded through like, through the middle of it. Yeah, it's it's how you would hold binoculars if you were doing a, a cover shoot for a fashion magazine. Yeah, which yeah. Which tells me there must have been some fashion magazine Iraqi saw where somebody did that. He's like, that's a fucking sick pose. <laughs> Yes, he's holding the binoculars vertically so that uh, over one eye is half a binocular, like a telescope, and the other half is just a a glorified handle, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Josuke fires that shot, goes through the barrel of the of the rat stand, and you know, Mm -hmm. out the other way, goes clean through the rat. It's dead. It's dead. It's the first stand user to die since Angelo. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The first villain to be killed since Angelo. I guess I guess that's what you get for messing with grandparents, you know? Yep. <laughs> so, so Jotaro has a bizarre thought that I would like to walk oh through my God. with you. Yeah. Quote, Akira's mutant stand rats got me thinking. They're reflections of our destruction of the environment. Are they? <laughs> I don't... Because, like, the reversal of hunting, very clear, very strong, Yes. Yeah. But other environmental concerns don't really come up. Like, is this rat's territoriality supposed to reflect the the clearing of land for that farm? Mm. 
nothing comes up to make me think of like pesticides yeah. or or uh, improper land use aside from you know uh, uh, standard farming techniques of the 1990s. <laughs> Is it because the rat puts its food in the fridge like a little man? I don't know. Yeah, I forgot entirely about Jotaro's, like, lesson for this very special episode of JoJo right at the end that comes out of nowhere. I guess you could say maybe at a stretch that the the unconcerned man, the thoughtless man, is essentially vermin. Mm. But that's not what Jotaro said. (laughs) Yeah, it's... Yeah, I was thinking about this too, and I just can't... There's no, like, solid metaphor to put together from this episode, really. The animals become mutated and violent due to man's meddling, but, like, animals don't become more violent and, like, start shooting people due to pollution. (laughs) I don't know. We're polluting them with our magic stand arrows. (laughs) Yeah. Is the magic stand arrow pollution? I don't know, man. You got to work on that one more, Jotaro. <laughs> Why are so many of the most dangerous stand users animals? I don't know. It's the bird! Ah, the bird! And the orangutan killed, like, fucking... A lot of guys. A lot of guys. Like, <laughs> that, 50 that orangutan guys killed a lot of guys. Yeah. But yeah, with that that little, like, thing from Jotaro there, that's, like, kind of the end of the episode is both he and, and Josuke, like, lock eyes and Jotaro goes, like, mm-hmm. you know what? Josuke's actually a pretty reliable dude. Yeah, yeah. He grew a lot today. Family bonding by going up north. With- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go hunt with my uncle over the weekend. He's going to teach me how to shoot a gun. Well, I'm actually going to teach him how to shoot a gun, but still. <laughs> The next episode needs to start with uh, uh, their, their, like, 12-point buck hanging off the rack over by the, the shell station. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and by the way, while, like, Jotaro's doing this whole ending monologue thing, he's still all fucked up. And oh, yeah. It's, it's not censored this time, so the whole right side of Jotaro is just a pink goo. Just oozing, oozing pink goo. It's so gross. Imagine if, like, the skeleton was, like, if you could see the bones exposed as the goo fell away. Oh, what a nightmare. The rat stand is, like, the grossest stand Mm -hmm. (laughs) in part four, maybe. Or at least one of the most grossest. But, but yeah, that's the end of episode 16. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I said at the top, this does feel like the beginning of a new chapter. This specific episode, uh, Let's Go Hunting, is very much the the, uh, stand cop's that that yep. uh uh sort of vibe i mean they they got information from their informant you know held by the speedwagon foundation yeah uh, and and so they gotta go take care of an evil stand user yeah cool but just the possibility space opened up by heaven's door is just a huge change in and of itself mm-hmm. they they do more with heaven's door it's fun uh, mm-hmm. because like hey the the very next episode we're gonna watch for next week is called rohan kashibe's adventure oh boy oh boy it's such a letdown though that they named that stand rat because it's a rat <laughs> yeah and not like modern english because he will melt with you oh shit right that would have been a good one yeah let, let me at him come on come on <laughs> thinking up stand names is a pretty fun thing to do when you're bored <laughs> mm-hmm yeah, I really like these three. Let's Go Hunting is kind of like... Let's Go Hunting is a weird episode for me because it's such a quick stand fight. It feels like it wasn't even like a full chapter in the manga or something. It was just a really quick side thing mm-hmm, that they were mm-hmm. able 
to fit cram into a single episode. Yeah, I, I really in- enjoy the the introduction of Rohan and what a fucking weirdo he is. Uh, <laughs> he's so off-putting. Like, yeah, he's a creep. He, he walks a tight line. Like, I can easily see there being a moment where, like, I don't want to spend time with this character ever again. You, you, <laughs> yeah. you, you fell off the tightrope, buddy. No, you suck. I don't like you. We're not there yet, but, I mean, like, it... I'm just saying that I can conceive of that being a thing that happens. Yeah. I can also conceive of him like having to socialize and come out of his weird, like artist hermit hole and being like, you know, I should be more of a normal. Okay. Dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe I would like to live in society and understand what friends are when they come to rescue their friends who they think are in grave mortal danger. Yeah. I mean, so far, when people in the show get beaten up and don't die, they become much nicer, so... Yeah, on the outside. I, I heard what's well, okay, inside Hazamata. the Hazamata book. Hazamata's the exception. He just sucks. There, there's no fix in that kid, I think. Man, I went to bat for you in your episode, Hazamata. Yeah. Come on. Come yeah. on. Uh, so we will be back next week with episodes <laughs> 17 through uh, uh, 19. Mm-hmm. Rohan Kishibe's Adventure and then Segechi's Harvest, parts one and mm. two. I don't know what a Segechi is. I guess we're going to meet a new guy. Oh, yeah. There's plenty of new guys to meet, to meet still. I mean, look at that new opening. Yeah, yeah it's full <laughs> of new guys. It's, it's, some, it's, of, some of the guys are girls. Some of the guys are girls, which is very exciting. Got to get more girls in JoJo, please. I mean, the the one that was added in this episode, in in this season was really fun. So, <laughs> and so's her son. <laughs> but yeah, uh, thanks for listening. As as always, uh, you know, if if you've been enjoying the show, please let other people know about it. Especially if you've got that friend who just knows about JoJo memes and has no idea what the actual show is. Because uh, I, I don't know, I think this is a pretty easy way to get into JoJo by listening mm-hmm, to this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you can find us on the usual places: SoundCloud. Apple Podcasts. What's that other place called? Spotify. <laughs> We're on Spotify. And uh, yeah, just just let people, you know, know about our, our show and, and spread the word around. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. Do appreciate it every single time. I'm sure, I'm sure people have been really looking forward to this one because oh, yeah. Rohan has a reputation that is inescapable. I, I knew, I knew about this guy. <laughs> I knew a little bit about this guy. Yep. There'll be plenty of Rohan, but uh, I mean, literally next episode is all about him. So, (laughs) but yeah, thanks for listening and we will see you next week to be continued later. Later.